I'm Father Ron Shipley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to this podcast homily for Fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, focusing on two additional manifestations of Christ to the Gentiles. The homily is one of a series of homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. The musical theme is an arrangement of We Three Kings of Orient R, performed by Electron Planet. The arrangement, used under license, is the musical theme for the companion AIC video series Epiphany, the Manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. Listeners may benefit from the AIC seasonal video series Epiphany, the Manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, which is presented in three episodes, each linked from the digital library page, with the podcast version linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The series offers a brief history of the evolution of Epiphany season, Anglican traditions of Epiphany, comment on the Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Epiphany Day, and the six Sundays after the Epiphany in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Fourth Sunday after the Epiphany are discussed in Episode 3. The Epistle reading for Fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, Romans 13, 1-7, is another homily on morality and responsibility from the canonical epistles of St. Paul. In this lesson, we find traditional Christian thinking about the source of governmental authority, that is, the powers that be are ordained of God, in verse 1, the obligation of those in civil authority to promote good and not evil, expressed as for rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil, in verse 3, and the duties imposed on citizens to comply with just governance. This principle is entirely consistent with Old Testament and New Testament scripture. In the Old Testament, it was Cyrus of Persia who made possible the return to Jerusalem from the long exile in Babylon and the building of the Second Temple. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke of the obligation to render unto Caesar that which was Caesar's and unto God that which was God in Matthew 22, verse 21, and Mark 12, verse 17, and Luke 20, verse 25. The same principle is taught in the prayer for all in civil authority each time morning prayer is read. The faithful pray for civil leaders, and the civil leaders are reminded of their own obligations. Other Christian denominations, especially those using a fixed liturgy, also teach this understanding concerning civil authority being granted by the will of God for the preservation of civil order. St. Paul, however, does offer a qualification in verse 7, the final verse in the pericope, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. He implies but does not say that honor is not due to the dishonorable. The Gospel reading for Fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, Matthew 8, verses 1 to 13, tells of two important events which come just days after Jesus had 
quote, come down from the mountain, unquote, meaning the Mount of Olives, after delivering the Sermon on the Mount and offering the Lord's Prayer to his disciples. St. Matthew tells us that, quote, great multitudes were now following him. The focus of the pericope is two examples of divine healing, the healing of the leper and the healing of the centurion's servant. The first incident which St. Matthew reveals is Jesus' encounter with the leper. This event is also described in Mark 1, 40-45 and Luke 5, 12-16. Under the Mosaic law or code, lepers were considered unclean and could not worship in the temple nor be part of the community. In Leviticus 7.21 is a prohibition against anyone touching a leper. In that tradition, only a temple priest could heal or purify a leper, and there was an appointed process for healing a leper. Thus what Jesus did was bound to put him in conflict with Hebrew religious authorities. As we enter the scene, a leper presents himself before Jesus. In the presence of the multitude, he, quote, worshipped him, saying in verse 3, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus' reply was concise and in the eyes of religious authorities, blasphemous. Here is St. Matthew's account in the NKJV text of verses 3 and 4. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The gift that Moses commanded, referred to in verse 4, is found in Leviticus 14.10, two male lambs without blemish plus three-tenths of an ephah of flour, the equivalent of the modern Measurement is three-tenths of a bushel and a quantity of oil. In the early church, led by the work of St. Cyril of Alexandria, the co-founder of the Christian Church's first school of catechism, the event was seen as a parallel to the healing of Miriam the prophetess, sister of Aaron, the first temple priest, found in Numbers 12, verses 10 to 15. Miriam and Aaron had defied Moses and she was punished by the Lord being made a leper. Aaron pleaded with Moses to ask God for deliverance from her illness, which was considered as evidence of sin. Moses heeded the request and prayed to the Lord for Miriam's healing, saying in Numbers 12.12 in the Septuagint translation, Do not let her be as one dead like a miscarriage with its flesh half consumed. The Lord answered Moses by declaring that Miriam should be shut out of the camp for seven days. After seven days, she was cleansed and allowed back into the camp. The parallel drawn by Cyril was that unlike Moses, Jesus did not need the seven days required in Numbers to heal the leper. In verse 3, St. Matthew wrote that Jesus touched the man and he was healed. Where Moses needed the mercy of the Lord, Jesus, who is God, the source of the law and therefore of mercy, was able to provide healing immediately. The word immediately was a favorite of St. Matthew intended to suggest the strength of the divine will. Matthew tells us that the word of this miraculous event quickly spread 
far and wide, so much so that Jesus had to seek refuge and quiet in the wilderness where he prayed. From the slopes of the Mount of Olives, Jesus and the party, including the multitudes, moved on to the city of Capernaum on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Although Capernaum was in a predominantly Gentile area, there was a strong Hebrew presence there. St. John relates several stories of how Jesus dealt with them leading up to the Before Abraham Was, I Am declaration in John 8, verse 58. At Capernaum, he was visited by a centurion whose servant was paralyzed and in considerable pain. The technical definition of a centurion in the Roman legion is a man who commanded 100 other soldiers. Christian tradition says that this centurion was a Gentile. That the centurion addressed Jesus by the title Lord in Matthew 8 verse 6 in his plea is an acknowledgment of his recognition of Jesus' authority and power, a sense of certainty that Jesus could heal, which will be demonstrated again later in the reading. In the Western Church, the standard understanding is derived from the King James Version used in the Book of Common Prayer, and Jesus says, I will come and heal him. At least one Koine Greek manuscript, that is, the Greek New Testament, suggests that Jesus may instead have said, Shall I come? What Jesus does next has a direct parallel to his healing of the leper in the first incident in this reading. By going to the Gentile's house, he again puts himself in conflict with Mosaic law. By going into a place that by the Mosaic law, or at least the Hebrews' understanding of it, is unclean, he makes himself unclean. The centurion's response to Jesus' offer to come with him to his home is in sharp contrast to the uncertainty, indeed to the outright denial of Jesus' authority and power of the Hebrew religious authorities, as the account is described in all four Gospels. And for the second time, the centurion grants Jesus the title Lord. These words are clearly one of the inspirations for the prayer of humble access in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. The lesson of the second healing, and perhaps the reason the pericope was included in this fifth example of the manifestation of Jesus to the Gentiles that we celebrate at the Feast of the Epiphany, comes in Jesus' reply. Note that St. Matthew says that Jesus, quote, marveled, unquote, at the man's faith, which is emphasized in the translation by the exclamation point at the end of the first sentence, and by his humility, and that Jesus was speaking not only to the centurion, but those who had followed him from the Mount of Olives, when he said in verses 10, 11, and 12, Assuredly, I say to you, meaning the centurion and all those present, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. 
There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These verses mean that Jesus has now declared that the salvation once offered only to Israel will now be available to Gentiles and warn those who reject him of their fate, that is, cast into outer darkness, which in the Hebrew understanding meant Sheol, the place of dead souls. There is one other message in this text that is not comfortable for the politically correct. Where the popular message in the modern world is generally anti-military, this reference by Jesus to the faith and humility of the centurion acknowledges that his occupation is an honorable one. Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And Matthew tells us that the centurion's servant was healed at that same hour. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this podcast homily for Fourth Sunday After Epiphany are available at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where seasonal videos and Christian education videos are linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions from the podcast archive page, and where information about AIC bookstore publications is available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage. And now first, The Great O Antiphons, a seasonal video series presented in seven episodes, one each for the final seven days of Advent season. This series includes the hymn, The King of Glory Comes, an original modern song by Father Willard Francis J. Bush about Jesus' healing, and that is found in episode 2, O Adonai, for December 19th. Epiphany, the Manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, a seasonal video series in three episodes, in which in episode 3 I included Canon Farrar's 1894 Engraving on the Healing of the Leper. New Testament Gospels, a multi-episode Bible study video series in which Jesus' habit of prayer in times of stress is described in episode 25, and Jesus' I Am declarations are discussed in episode 29 through episode 35. And finally, Layman's Lexicon, an AIC bookstore publication where you'll find an entry, Hades, on pages 99 to 102, which includes discussion of the Hebrew term Sheol, and the Lord entry on pages 136 and 137. All these AIC bookstore publications are available using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. My closing prayers for this episode begin with a late 4th, early 5th century prayer by St. Augustine of Hippo, 
celebrating the light manifested to the whole world, and I close with the prayer book collect for fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, which was derived by Archbishop Cranmer from the Gregorian Sacramentary of the late 6th and early 17th century, and is a petition for spiritual protection against the temptation of the modern world. Almighty God, in whom we live and move and have our being, who has made us for thyself so that our hearts are restless till they rest in thee, grant us purity of heart and strength of purpose that no selfish passion may hinder us from knowing thy will, no weakness from doing it, but that in thy light we may see light clearly and in thy service find our perfect freedom. O God, who knowest us to be set in the midst of so many great dangers, that by reason of the frailty of our nature we cannot always stand upright, grant to us such strength and protection as may support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.